The NFL draft may be over, but the Ringer NFL show isn't going anywhere. On Mondays, join Kevin and Nora as they look ahead to the 2021 season. And on Wednesdays, check out Flying Coach Season 2 with NFL Network's Peter Schrager and Rams head coach Sean McVay. The two longtime friends are joined by guests from around the sports and entertainment world to discuss the latest NFL news, tell stories from their careers, and break down the game from their unique perspectives. Check out the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in person select dates. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Connor, Kevin O'Cameron, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Killian, Kevin NBA Finals! We have gotten one game of the NBA Finals, and the Phoenix Suns won 118-105 to in a game that we just watched as they played against the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, it was very late in the day. Until we realized that Giannis Antetokounmpo was going to be available for this game, I was honestly shocked by that news that he was going to be available for the game. And so I think that kind of set the stage for everybody had to make predictions about this, give opinions about this leading into it, what you think is going to happen between the Suns and the Bucks, And much like, I guess it's, Kind of par for the course for what these playoffs have been. By the time the game tips off, whatever you had kind of baked into your prediction of this was already screwed up because I didn't know if we'd see Giannis at all. I didn't know if we'd see Giannis for five games. I didn't know if we'd see him for six games. I didn't know, but I sure didn't think we'd see him for seven games, but I was glad that he was available for this game tonight. Um, Chris, we might not see him for seven games after what we saw in tonight's game, though. It might not last seven. <laughs> it might not last seven. Yeah, we'll see, though. It's only one. Only one game. Yeah, it is only one game. This was, again, a continuation of game six of the Western Conference Finals. Th- this was about Chris Paul, and oh, this yeah. was about a third quarter, just 
taking over a game. And then in the fourth, too, Chris, you know, the, the Bucks made their push. They had a burst early in the fourth. Campaign was the only guy doing anything for Phoenix at that point. And then Chris Paul comes in and says, enough, enough of this. This is my game tonight. Chris Paul, I thought it was funny after the game. He said to Malika Andrews in the interview post game, he's like, uh, you know, I'm the old dog on this team. Yep. All these young guys try to tell me to push the pace, push the pace. And he was in complete control the entire game against that switching Bucks defense. Or if they dropped Brooke Lopez, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Chris Paul was dominant. And and I think he had I think he had zero in the first quarter. And then so all of his points were in the last three quarters of this game. But I thought at the end of the first quarter, I was like, man, that's a really good pace. Not a ton of fouls. Now, it got slowed down a little bit as the game went on. And you could tell the Bucks felt like they got a bad whistle. And I do think they did for a good portion of the game. They flashed up that number at the end of the, uh, I believe, going into the fourth. And it was like 19 to 6. And... You remember at least four of the six because of the countdown that was going on within the arena every time he <laughs> shot those free throws. Now, they ended up, it was a little bit better, but, you know, up and down the line, you look at this box score, Kev, and it's kind of crazy because the Bucks had more rebounds than Phoenix. The Bucks had more assists than Phoenix. Um, this was not a big block shot game. They did have a few more turnovers, shot Right, uh, field goal percentage is close. They actually shot threes extremely well, and that has been a massive problem for them in these playoffs. They have shot 31% as a team, even though here they are as the Easter Conference representative. Um, and then that free throw number and the free throw percentage are both horrible. Uh, Phoenix is able to get 25 out of 26 from the line. And Milwaukee's getting 9 of 16 from the line. So they got outscored 16 points just at the free throw line. Yeah, and, and I mean, I understand the way Bucks fans might be angered by that. Uh, I think overall it was more a representation of the way the NBA calls fouls now. It's like they don't call a lot of fouls on drives to the rim. There's There were certainly instances Chris Middleton was fouled draw, driving to the basket, but that's the way it is oftentimes in the NBA for better or for worse. Jump shooters draw a little bit of contact, get calls. Mm -hmm. Driving to the basket, you might get a lot of contact, no whistle. And so that's just the way – it is right now, and I would expect that you know Devin Booker might not draw four or five fouls off of jump shots in game two or again at all moving forward the series, but forget about the the fouls. Like that's not why the Bucks lost this game. That's not why no, the no, Suns no, no. won this game. No, 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 I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying that like in general. I mean, there's much bigger problems for Mike Budenholzer and that Bucks coaching staff to look at, and there's much other stuff to feel good about if you're the Suns. Yeah, what I'm saying is that box score is not indicative of what you would usually think for a double. Usually there would be things to really point out and be like, well, they got beat here. They got beat here. They got beat here, but they really didn't. Well, yeah, they, yeah. Cause the box score doesn't tell you a lot. Oftentimes they got beat in pick and roll defense because Chris Paul and Devin Booker getting whatever they wanted against the buck switching defense. They started off with the switch one through five 
had Brooke Lopez on Chris Paul or Devin Booker for far too many instances, it seemed. Far oh. too many. So, you know, at one point during that game in the second half, you try with the drop pick and roll coverage where Brooke Lopez kind of sags a little bit more towards the paint and Chris Paul is still getting whatever he wanted. I wonder, you know, also, Budenholzer did try Giannis at the five a bit in that fourth quarter. Are we going to see more of that? Because tonight in tonight's game, Brooke Lopez was a minus 17 and like minus 17 also in the box score isn't always indicative of how, what happens in a game. But in this instance, yep. it was it was a bad defensive game for Brooke Lopez because not because of him as an individual. It's just the way in which that he can be exploited. Well, and the crazy thing to me, Kev, is, you know, they did hit on something for a stretch there where they were small and with the honest at the five that yeah, lineup. but that was after they had already went through a short period of time where they said okay we're pulling lopez this is unplayable we can't live like this anymore and then they do this thing and they did this a couple other series lead into this where they put portis in they have portis do the same damn thing brooke lopez does yeah it's the craziest thing. I'm like, why? You're just doing this. Now you're doing, you're having him play like Brooke Lopez, except he's smaller and maybe a little more nimble, but he's still not. He, you still can't have him on an island against the Bookers and the Chris Pauls of the world. And it happened too often. It yes. seemed like it happened every couple minutes, every couple Oh, they were going to just really. do that all night. They were going to yeah, do it all night. And they right? did. It was really simple basketball, what, what yes. the Suns were doing at certain points during well, the game. Here's the problem, though, and this is the problem the Bucks are going to have. So you decide, all right, we are not going to let you target Brooke Lopez anymore. Okay, fine. So then they tried the Portis thing, and that stunk. Then they went to the Giannis 5 thing. The problem there is when they do Giannis 5, because, of you know, they would typically have DiVincenzo. They don't have him. Not available. They're playing yeah. Forbes and, and Connaughton. And they're going to just target them. Exactly. Like, pick your poison. Like, so who you want to mm -hmm. get targeted? Do you want Brook Lopez to get targeted? Or do you want – because when you go exactly. small, they're all of a sudden putting in more guys that they're just going to say, all right, now this guy. And we're going at your ass every single time. Exactly. And, and and that's the thing. Like, the DiVincenzo injury, he wouldn't necessarily be a, a, a solution. For the but he's not a target. But not a target, exactly. Not a guy that a team is going to go out of their way to attack relentlessly possession after possession. And that's the thing with the Suns team, right? They are, even if there were instances in which Chris Paul or Devin Booker wasn't generating an open mid-range jumper or getting to the basket, they were creating passing lanes, mm -hmm. forcing the defense to help because they were getting by somebody. And that was creating instances in which I remember, I think it was the first half, Cam Johnson had a cut towards the uh, the free throw line and quickly passed it to Aiton on a dive to the rim. Like just these quick, rapid decisions. Because even though Chris Paul and Devin Booker are the guys with, their, with the ball in their hands a lot, everybody on that team, everybody on the court, all five guys know how to make quick decisions. They know how to read the floor and this Suns team, like watching the game, I just found myself saying, Chris, the Suns look like a hard team to defend. The Bucks look like an easy team to defend. That's what it felt like at times. I know it's more you know complicated than that, but that's the way it felt. Because even when they they went on their little run, that was like that was Middleton being yeah. sensational. Exactly. It's Middleton it wasn't catching like fire like we've seen before. The ball was popping around and they were getting wide open shots. That was just individual 
greatness. And Middleton was, and he made some hard shots. And he he was going to the rim. He got his own rebound on one of them. And I, I mean, if it's not him, it's Giannis. And Drew Holiday obviously has got to give them more. Um, oh yeah, horrible tonight. Drew Bledsoe tonight. Drew had been outstanding in those last couple of games when they needed him to be really good without Giannis. He stepped up, Brooks stepped up, Middleton stepped up uh, for them to be in this position and be able to beat Atlanta. Uh, but I mean, how many, how many times did you even think about Drew Holiday offensively tonight? It's, it's very weird the way they function because I've always fancied Milwaukee as a team that does kind of play for the greater good, pop it around, you know, don't really play ISO basketball, but they they do <laughs> they do play a lot of ISO. But. And that's where you, I think, you also have to have to credit the Phoenix Suns defense tonight. DeAndre Ayton and Jay Crowder, like Jay Crowder, had one point, yep. 0 for eight from the field, 0 for five, but he played a really good game. It was Nine his birthday. Oh, it, was. it was. I mean, hey, hey it was Jay Crowder's I mean, birthday. I, I hope he's happy about his great defensive performance because he, he did a sensational job in his possessions yep. against Giannis. DeAndre Ayton had a sensational performance, period, on both ends of the court. He did it all again. I mean, we've talked about Ayton time and time again yep. throughout this entire Suns postseason run here, but he was great again. And when you have two guys, Ayton and Crowder, who can do a solid job, if not a good or great job, against Giannis Antetokounmpo, containing his penetration, getting to the basket. That limits a lot of what you can do. And I also thought, you know, everybody on that team, Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges, all these guys did a very good job, regardless of who was on Drew Holiday or Chris Middleton. Even though Chris Middleton got numbers, 12 of 26, 29 points, I thought they made it hard on those guys. And that's where, like, the Suns, Everybody talks about this team like they would have lost in the first round to the Lakers or they would have lost in the second round to the Nuggets or they would have lost in the third round of the Clippers if those teams were healthy. And maybe they would have. Maybe they would have. But I did think in game one, they showed why they're a complete basketball game, top to bottom on the roster. All of these guys can defend. All of these guys are smart, make great decisions, and almost all of them can shoot. I mean, this is a complete team, and they showed why in game one. Yeah, I'm not going to count out the Bucks because no way you can't. You know they brought they brought Giannis back, and one of the things that was uh, a few things that were immediately noticeable in this game as the finals got started was the crowd was absolutely oh unbelievable. Goodness. That like, was sensational. First, first finals game in 28 years, but they were the I mean the whole night fever pitched. And they were great. And that can, you know, there's been a bunch of studies on this, and they say it's not as much teams as it is crowds that can affect the officiating, right? That crowds really get on top of you. And if if they did play a part, now, look, the same is going to be true in Milwaukee. We saw that. I mean, I, you may have seen, it was, it was so fun to see this and see the genuine excitement. This was one of the blessings of having teams that aren't there and that are taking that this is the biggest deal to mm -hmm. them, right? Yeah. Because you saw Phoenix and that crowd bananas all night, and then they were showing those clips. Nine thousand people in the arena in Milwaukee, and then who knows how many thousand outside in that thing they were calling the Deer District. It <laughs> <that> was out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's just people outside standing watching a road game. And I was like, this is unbelievable. And so now they'll inevitably, you know, they'll play this second one in Phoenix. We'll see what make of that. But both these teams, it feels like they're going to have a real legitimate 
home court advantage. For sure. And, and, and I think, you know, for the Bucks, they have the guy who looked good tonight. Giannis did look good tonight. That even though, was you know, shocking. That he looked this good? Oh. I mean, he I, looked like himself, right? I, if, if you would not have told me he had been hurt. No idea. No, you'd way. have no idea. Yeah, have uh, no idea. like he had the chase down block. He had multiple great rebounds. He, had, he I mean, like, you you know what Giannis does. This doesn't need That's to require right. a description. But I mean, he looked like Giannis out of the cool And he it felt like, like they MVP. were. I, th- I didn't know if they were playing possum or what. Like they kept, you know, kind of yeah, downplaying yes, it. Exactly what they were doing. That's exactly that- what. Like Chris Haynes reported it on Friday. On Friday, Chris Haynes from Yahoo said in the event of a game seven, it's likely the there's optimism that Giannis will play and that the game seven wouldn't have been on Tuesday. It would have been on Monday. So, I mean, naturally there would be optimism for game one and he ended up playing the fact he looked as good as he did as normal as he, as he did that, that part is shocking to me. Well, cause here, here's the thing, Kev, I know they call him the green freak. What, what happened to his knee? I I saw the way his leg bent. went backwards. How did nothing come of that? I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I hope for the, I hope for the Bucks and I hope for Giannis that it continues, you know, like over the course of a long series. I mean, he had some time off to rehab. I hope, you know, he can turn around quickly for Thursday night and still be at peak condition. That's the next challenge now, getting ready in 48 hours uh, for the next one. And he'll be better than he was tonight. There'll be other games Offensively, where, he should as, be, yeah. yes, as this goes on, he, they played one possession games in the season. They only met twice, but he had 80 points in those games with a 68% true shooting percentage. And that's with the same personnel, right? Like they just, the the truth is he can provide a tremendous advantage for the Bucks. They really don't have somebody like you even saw him body eight and in that first quarter. And just, I mean, he's so strong and so big. He could just push even the Aitons of the world out of the way and lay it in. But you, it, it, there was, as the game wore on, I think you saw some of the, and I'm talking about the second half, some of the conditioning stuff that would inevitably come. It probably stiffened up on him a little at halftime and not, it, it, that was, you know, Middleton was going to try to get him home. And so he wasn't getting the ball, therefore wasn't like crazy aggressive down the stretch of that game. And I do think you'll probably see him be more aggressive throughout the course of entire games going forward, assuming, you know, he didn't do anything to it tonight. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And we really, 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 I saw the series flash before our eyes on the stupid Brooke Lopez foot where Chris Paul lands on it, I was like, oh, do, no. I was no. so scared. I was so scared, Because his ankle really twisted. Yeah. And I was like, oh, for God's sake, this is what's going to happen, right? We just, it's been every series, literally every series. Like, we just went through one where in the Western Conference, there was no Kawhi Leonard for the series, and in the Eastern Conference, there was no Trey Young, and then there was no Giannis. <laughs> And then they got a hobbled version of Trey back. And it was like, this this can't happen in game one of the finals. Because I do think this could set up to be a great finals. I do. I do think this could end For up sure. being really good. I don't think Phoenix is going to make quick work of them. You know, even though they did get game one. But that's, again, it's kind of par for the what? course. I saw my buddy Jorge Sedano put up that home teams... 
since 0203, home teams are 17 and 2 now in game ones. And if they've gotten two days of rest, which they got five days of rest, they're on a 14 and 0 streak. 14 straight. So you mentioned that long rest before game one. Are you at all surprised how crisp? Both teams looked right out of the gates. I thought there would be some sluggishness. The only real mistake we got with Mark was Mark Davis on the jump ball to start the game. Ref screwing up. <laughs> I, I thought it would be nerves. Yeah, but we didn't. That's get what that I either, thought. Really. Yeah, no nerves, no sluggishness. Well, because uh, I think they said, uh, I think they said Crowder's the only, only one that played one. In the finals yep, game. The only one. Yeah. Well, and that was last year, and, he, and he's the one who went over eight. <laughs> Huh? Yeah, he's the he's one who went over eight. He's the only player on the Suns who missed a free throw tonight. <laughs> he is the only one that missed a free throw. So, like so much for that veteran example, huh? Yeah, right. Oh, you, you real finals experience coming through for us, huh? Um, it, it's crazy to think yeah. about because they did. They did have. Uh, he was he was over eight. He's the only guy that's played the finals. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. And you can do it all right in the USAA app. And they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease, too. Visit USAA.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas. You said um earlier how... Uh, do you think this will be a deep series? I do. I, I'm with you. I mean, I pick Suns and Six. I'll stay mm. with that. Did the Suns or the Bucks show anything tonight that could suggest that it will be a short series? I think that because the reason I think this is because they got they got a uh, Giannis back, right? And I think that the Bucks get beat up every round, every time they lose. People jump on Budenholzer, but they've done a good job of being resilient and figuring things out. And they were up against a wave tonight. They were up against an amazing Chris Paul performance and an unbelievably lit arena. Oh, yeah. And and they were coming in on shorter rest with their best player. Did you just say lit off arena? You say lit? Yeah. Yeah, lit. after they were good cho after, interesting choice there, Chris. <laughs> what you didn't think it was? I lit? mean, it's just, it's just funny to hear you know you say the word lit. That's why. All. It's just it's just funny. That's, that's you didn't all. think it was lit. I mean, it feels like that word. I heard Mike Breen say it on a broadcast recently. He did. It, yeah, I think that word is starting to you know ease into the forty plus range. <laughs> <laughs> just just saying. Travis Scott. Travis Scott's not exactly sixteen. <laughs> 
He's the one that barks it all the time. You don't know who Travis Scott no, is. Do I you? mean, I'm just saying I have not heard the word lit from a 40 plus year old until Mike Breen said it. Oh, that's and now not I just true. heard it from you. That's the only time I've ever heard it. Are you from serious? Someone over 40. That's it. Just a from lit you arena? And you, you and Mike Breen. That's the only time I've heard <laughs> it. The word lit from someone over the age of 40. That's all that's I'm r- saying, Chris. That's ridiculous. Well, you don't know anybody over the age of 40. Who would say it? Your mom? Yeah. And she's going to walk in. It. She's going to say this breakfast lit. <laughs> <laughs> you got to remember, I'm around an 11 year old. I, I know, I know. I every, know. That was my impression. This, this William, kid, William must be saying it. As he has an effect on me. He he walks around the house. They do all the kids do the same thing. Every parent out there will know. They go she. That's their new thing. <laughs> she. Every kid from 11 to 14 mm. just run around saying she. Now, that, but yeah, they were up in the pod. They were up against it. Look, I know you love the Suns with every ounce of your heart, but a lot of okay performances, not great performance. They got one amazing performance and they went to the line a million times. I do think the Bucks will have an answer. I did, I, did, I did not see something tonight that made me think that they're going to just wipe this team because I think the Bucks are going to have some answers for it. And I think the Bucks will have an equally lit arena (laughs) (laughs) and i mean look there are seventy thousand people it looked like in the deer district so oh yeah i I think that's gonna have a profound effect um these teams are all going through it for the first time now i i had sons in seven just because i figured it'd be a home court advantage type series maybe you get couples you know uh games that are stolen here and there but i think probably um you know, I'm a big believer in what I talked to you about a couple of weeks ago, which is guys that win this thing are usually at an age. Now, Paul is extreme because he's 36, but if Giannis does it, it will be a real rarity. Usually it's a little bit later in their careers when the best player on the team is typically 27 or older. And so we, t- we talked about that a couple of rounds ago. And when we kind of outline the teams, here's the guys that fit this criteria of the majority of NBA finals winners over the course of many years. So I think Paul probably does is the one that could get him over the hump. And at least for this game, he was the best player on the floor by a wide margin. For sure. And I think that part, you know, the fact Chris Paul was as dominant as he was. And Devin Booker, I know, take out the 10 free throws for a second. He was still only 8 for 21 from the field. One of 8 from 3. The Suns are going to get a big Devin Booker game or 2 or 3 the rest of the way. And I think, you know, Devin Booker in that first half, he had multiple possessions throughout the first quarter and second quarter where he got by Brooke Lopez he got by Chris Middleton. He got by whoever was in front of him, except for Drew Holiday. And at some point, that's going to translate into more buckets that aren't free throws. And I think for the Bucks, th- th- there's a real challenge here. I mean, the, the drop pick and roll coverage didn't work. The switching pick and roll coverage didn't work. Do you hedge? Do you blitz? Do you get a, more aggre- a little bit more aggressive? Do you s- just switch it up more? Do you not switch with Brooke Lopez, but switch one through four? I look forward. I think the Bucks do have some answers, Chris, 
But the Suns are a really, really, really hard problem to solve, though, just because of the amount of ways that they can beat you. And I think the point you brought up earlier about the lack of DiVincenzo, which means you got to go to Forbes, you got to go to Teague, that hurts a lot. Like, that really does. Even though it's only 10, 12, 13 minutes per game, those guys are going to get picked on. And if you have to go to them more than that because you're not playing Brooke Lopez for 25, 30, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is there. For the Bucks, except riding Giannis at the five even longer than you do. And it's crazy how Booker ended up because early in that game, I thought, oh boy, this is going to be a huge oh, yeah. Booker night. I thought that Because he too. had double digits quick. Mm-hmm. And so he must have, I mean, I, and, and they, you, Holiday did match up with him a lot, you know, tonight. And so now, you know, on those, do you say, all right, we're willing to just, if Booker kills us, Booker kills us, but we've got to Drew's just gotta be on Chris. End of story. You know? I don't we don't have the tracking stats yet, but I, I look forward to looking up what percentage of Chris Paul's points came against somebody not named Drew Holiday. Yeah. It's gotta be like ninety percent. I mean, it's really high. It might felt even like be a hundred. It might be I don't know what it is, it but felt like a lot. it's well, a lot. Well, there were some of them where he was like, he was coming down the court and they had um, like, like say like Connaughton would pick him up. And I mean, he just dribbled straight into like a 20 footer. Like he's been in the league for a hundred years. Like, you know, you got to crowd him, like make him drive on you. What you can't do is just let him two dribble pull up right in your face. Like this is ridiculous. And so. Yeah, but it is a pick your poison thing, and they did a great job on Booker, but they got demolished by Paul. And so it feels like there's a lot of those choices that Budenholzer and that we're going to have to figure out in this. Let me tell you something about Booker. You're going to love this story. So, and I'm going to be a, a little bit, I'm, no, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not ashamed of this, but I am. I was shocked to learn. So, when I was a kid, as you know, I'm old, but when I was a kid, um, we had moved to St. Louis, and, and so I, I lived in St. Louis growing up, and we didn't have an NBA team. Everybody loved Michael Jordan and whatever, uh, and college basketball was only big, uh, you know, you only heard it get talked about a lot when it was Missouri and them doing really well, or it was St. Louis University, and them doing really really well. It's like a big city. It's probably like not unlike where you grew up, right? Because you grew up in Boston. That's not a college sports town. It's a pro sports town. The only time I can remember really seeing a lot of Boston college basketball was like the Jared Dudley days, right. you know, when they faced those great Duke teams, J.J. Redick, back when right. I used to hate J.J. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, my fa- it. It, even though I lived there, my favorite team was Memphis State, and Penny, because my father had gone to Memphis, and so my dad still kept up with Memphis basketball. But anyway, like any kid, when something becomes like really popular, all the kids get into it, you start root for it. So if the team started going to the tournament, and so St. Louis had this guy named Erwin Claggett. And so when you're playing out back with all your friends, you know, people would you they'd pull their socks up. He wore his socks up. So you'd act like Erwin Claggett, whatever. But Missouri, their star. And this is early 90s, okay? Like maybe like 91, 92, 93, whatever. I was, I, I was in, I was still juvenile. Um, their big star 
that we used to act like in the backyard was a guy who ended up becoming Big 8 Player of the Year, which is now the Big 12, Melvin Booker. Hmm. I didn't find out until two days ago Oh wow! that Melvin Booker is Devin Booker's dad. <laughs> I would. I saw. I I keep up with the St. Louis writers, so I could keep up with the Cardinals, and I could keep up with the uh, with the Blues. And I saw uh, outstanding columnist in St. Louis, uh, Benjamin Hockman. He tweeted out this article about Melvin Booker, and I'm like, why the hell are they talking about Melvin Booker now? And I'm like, no, it was like that Chaz Palminteri dropping the coffee glass <laughs> moment, and I'm like. Melvin Booker is Devin Booker's dad. I never, ever put it together. Now, Melvin Booker wouldn't be famous to a lot of people because he a very, very short amount of time in the NBA went and really was an overseas basketball yeah. player. But I will tell you, for a kid that grew up in St. Louis, those Missouri teams, when he's the conference player <laughs> of the year, Melvin, like I acted like I was Melvin Booker. That's in my funny. driveway because yeah. Melvin Booker was unbelievable as a college basketball player. Does, does it look like Devin Booker is imitating Melvin Booker on the court? I, I the no, scoring see, style. It's, no, it's all happened so fast. No, how about <laughs> this? So I'm telling this story today uh, to my buddy. He looks up Melvin Booker on a, like YouTube or something, right? Just like goose. He finds him playing in a pro-am like oh, a wow. couple weeks ago, demolishing people. <laughs> They're like, this guy is still getting buckets, Melvin Booker. So as the story goes, so of course I, I deep dove into it. Um, uh, Mel, uh, so Devin Booker's mom and 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 Melvin never got married. Her name is uh, Gutierrez. So I guess he could be theoretically Devin Gutierrez, <laughs> but it, but he. Um, his father was playing overseas, and his father was going to sign another contract. This is not unlike the Morant deal, but he decided he moved back. And so he was a big high school player in Mississippi. He went back to his town, to his old high school. They were living in Michigan, and he convinces mom to bring Devin down to Mississippi, and he's going to help him, you know, become – advance in basketball by and he plays at his dad's old high school by his senior year he's averaging 30 points a game as you know he goes to Kentucky yeah. the rest is all history but it's really a crazy story and I'm here to tell you that Melvin Booker was friggin awesome and I had no idea that that was Devin's dad maybe I would have been a way bigger fan all these years if I had known who his dad was <laughs> but I was a fan of his dad when I was a kid it's maybe so crazy maybe back in 2016, our first year doing the pod, I should have told you. I know this. it. And then maybe. Oh our- my god! <laughs> if you would have told me Melvin Booker was his dad, I'd be like, no. Yeah, you you would have been on the bright future some oh, bandwagon with me, Chris. <laughs> I'd have been like, I love Melvin Booker. <laughs> what did Melvin got- Booker play like, Chris? Huh? What did you Melvin score Booker too? He was like Scorehead. an 18 point per game guy. Yeah, got, I mean, he got was, buckets. Look, you've got to get mid range. You have to get buckets in order to be a. Um, a player of the year in college, right? They don't give those awards to non-scorers. Yeah. <laughs> so, and and also, a kid like me in suburban St. Louis is not going in their backyard acting like Melvin Booker unless he scores, right? That's who Eddie 
kids only like people that put the ball in the bucket too. For what yeah. it's worth, his senior season, 18.1 points per game. This is the surprising stat to me. 5.1 three-point attempts per game back in 1993-94. That's, That's a lot yeah. for that time. That's a real yes. lot. Yes. And so he, I read this whole article. He said um, the moment he said he knew Devin Booker was going to be a big time, like that he really had a chance, was that he um, – they were watching basketball – and uh, the Pistons traded Chauncey Billups and ended up with Allen Iverson. And Devin Booker was so mad about it because he just knew <laughs> how That's how great, great Chauncey Billups was. And he's like, I knew he wasn't going to be some kind of flashy guy, even at that point, because he knew basketball. Like, he he knew yeah. the game and he knew what what to properly appreciate. And it's because right. his his dad recognized not only does this kid have some talent, yeah, he has the passion for it. Yes, yes, that's Gotta why Booker wa- turned into the player that he is. Right, it's that passion. Oh yeah. Oh look, and we've talked about that Suns team and all these cool stories. One of the stories I don't know if you saw like all these interviews that were going on prior to the finals, but you know they all take to the podium. And one of the things Cameron Payne talked about was being completely out of it and whatever else. And I heard a story yesterday because he said he had come back to Memphis to get his career on track. And somebody uh, was telling me a story yesterday that he went and one of the things he did was was uh, went over to the Memphis University gym and worked out with Penny Hardaway. Oh, wow. And Penny Hardaway took the he, – he was like out of shape and everything, took the ball away from him when he came in to work out, and he said, no ball. And just ran him like over and over. And and then the next day did it again. Just had him, ran him. No basketball. And he said, I knew if he came back, he wanted it. And he came back and helped. And so he helped he helped him along the way to get back to the NBA. That's a great test. That's Crazy, a really right? good test, my Penny. Seriously. Yeah. That's a great test. Yes. He said, I knew if he came back. Mm. That he's serious. He wants this. Yeah, it says a and lot. So, it really does. Yeah, well, because yeah. otherwise he kind of felt like it wasn't going to be worth his time. But I mean, you have these guys that like you do have a but like sometimes the backstory of these guys you never know, right? And who knows? What if Melvin Booker stays over in Europe and plays it out and doesn't come back and coach Devin in high school? And like, you know what I mean? Push him and prod him. And he said he had to get his diet right. And he and he said that's how he knew with Devin too. He said he was eating like a normal teenager or whatever. But I mean, he's he pretty hardcore it, on it's, him. It's the type of thing where like, you know, your your path is different. You might end up in the same place, but your Maybe. path is just different to get there. Like having that guidance of a former professional player or anybody who knows about like health and nutrition and that's right. how to take care of your body. I mean, I can't imagine how valuable that is, especially for a high school kid, I know it. right? To learn that at that time, because most people don't until college, if not the NBA. Yep. Those are kind of cool stories that do come only now because the teams get highlighted in a way. They're the only two teams left. So we will inevitably end up learning a lot more about the participants involved um, in this, in a way that maybe we hadn't uh, seen that focus before, because I don't know how many, you know, for somebody like Chris Paul, 
the story we know very, very well, right? And he's 36 years old, and I I, I got to be honest with you, Kev. I don't know how the hell he is still, like, between game six against the Clippers on the road and then this first NBA Finals <laughs> game, how is he the best guy on the floor? That's what's insane. He's clearly the best player. Like, if you took somebody that didn't know anything about basketball and wa- and watched that game, they'd choose him. And he's 36. Unbelievable, man. Like, and he hasn't missed shots either. What was he, 12 for 17 tonight? Yeah, 12 for he 19, 4 7 from 3. Hit some tough ones, too. Well, he's got, it, it, look, when you think about Chris Paul, do you think about scoring? He's got 70-something points in the last two you, games he's played. You, you think about passing. Like, that's, yes. the, that's the first thing you think about with Chris Paul. But this series, I wonder if the scoring is going to continue. I wonder if we're going to see Chris Paul be a scorer every single night. Would, would, like I don't think that would be too shocking. Well, shit, if they give him seventeen footers, you will. I mean, I mean, if I he could just dribble change. into a seventeen footer with Brook yeah. Lopez, you know, it, I mean, it, like Chris, it's like this isn't even a new thing necessarily. He averaged twenty four points against the Clippers, twenty five points against the Nuggets. So it was really just back against the Lakers mm-hmm. when he was working through the injury that he didn't score a lot. Yeah, like I feel like this is the way the Suns are going to ride him. He took 21 shots per game in that Clippers series. Like th- I think we're going to see this game game out, game out for for the Suns. Yeah, here. you're probably yeah. right. Where well, and I think it's his moment in his career where he's like, "Look, this I is love it. y'all. I got to take advantage. I love y'all. You guys have all followed my lead." but you are not going to decide my destiny. <laughs> Jay Crowder, you, you, you shot enough, my guy. You're you know what, over you know eight. That? That's enough. I'm going to let you get a couple. I'm going to let you get a couple. But, like, when it comes down to it, you guys are not. I'm going out firing if I'm you, going you know, out. Like now that you say that, Chris, it's making me think about, I forget, Mikel Bridges at one point during the game, I forget who he passed the ball to. It was either Booker or Paul. But he dribbled it a couple of times, and yep. it was an instance in which like, I would have got it if he took a three-point jumper off the dribble or drove to the basket. You never see that from the Suns, really, mm-hmm. where like someone takes a heat check shot. They yep. get the ball at the end of the clock to Chris Paul or Devin Booker Wait, and they, no. just get out of the way and spot up for three. Like They, they know little, what to do. <laughs> no, we're taking a timeout real quick on this one. Dre Crowder, are you going to say? You, you, when you say you don't see it. Crowder? But, no. Well, Crowder, he doesn't hit well, it. You can't he, heat check he, he, a he miss. Took, well, he took one after he got a defensive stop. He took a pull-up three. I promise you, <laughs> let campaign make one shot. Oh, and yeah. we're, heat, I mean, we're heat checking the next yeah, time. Yeah, but like, he doesn't play a ton. I mean, with, you know, with <laughs> But Paul he gets them up. He's going to get yeah, those he, shots He does. Up. But like, I, didn't, I mean more like wings and bigs. Sorry, yeah, I should have yeah, clarified yeah. that. Like, I think the, resp- like the responsibility of the guys on this team is for the guards – to generate offense, like it's pretty apparent by the decisions a lot of the wings make. But I should have clarified, like non guards. The other thing is he'll jump on them if they do something goofy. Like they know Chris oh, is yeah. going to yell at them, no doubt. Right? And you know what? You know who could use that? The Bucks, because they get that thing to seven or ten or whatever, and friggin' Bryn Forbes is shooting baseline fadeaways, and I'm like. Yo, if Chris Paul was on that team, he would choke him out in the huddle. (laughs) Like, this is outrageous. What are you doing? 
Like we're just they're just coming back in the game. How are you? What are you doing, Bryn Forbes? You shoot threes or you pass the ball. That's what you do. We're not we're not doing the <laughs> the baseline little fadeaways Kobe shots. I didn't I I didn't understand. Like there's got to be somebody that that lets them know that this is unacceptable. Um, yeah. I, and again, I didn't think they were that bad. Honestly, no, I didn't. I think thought they were, they were up against either. a tsunami tonight with Chris Paul and that crowd and everything else, and they weren't winning that game. And, and maybe game two will be different. I mean, like I, the only thing I'd say about the foul situation we talked about earlier is Chris Middleton should have more than zero free throws. And it's, you know, yeah, he, he did go have, he to the basket had, too. He did. And exactly. He's not the. He's not. Uh, he he doesn't talk. He doesn't say anything. Yeah. He looks at the refs, you know, like. It, do, it doesn't talk, though. Yep. Yeah, but it's like he's disappointed. <laughs> yeah, not like, angry. Oh, come on, guy. You know, like, Chris, like he's got he's to gotta yell at somebody or he's got to. Yeah, I, I know he's never going to yell. You know, you know Chris, though, like, that's unfair. It shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't matter if you complain or flop or flail your arms or say anything. Oh, like but a, the, fall, a fall is a fall. And I, I wish. I wish so much, and I know it's hard. Like you know, the referees are humans too. But and you react to see someone falling or flailing their arms up. But I, I really wish like that stuff wasn't rewarded. It shouldn't be that way. Like you shouldn't have to do that. You know. I agree with you. I would just say with him. The other thing is, Bud's got a. I mean, that's the coach's job, and I know he's you know red faced yelling at him, but again, like get a tech. If that's what it's going to take, then take a tech on it because your guy's going to the basket. He's at least he's at least getting the same bumps as Paul and Booker and the others are, and he's not getting the whistle. Here, here's the one thing I'll say though, Chris. You know, and Bucks fans might not like this. Chris Middleton isn't a guy that gets to the line that often. Like he's mm-hmm. not someone who draws a ton of contact and drives to the rim and finishes through that contact. So like. It's possible tonight's game where like it felt like he wasn't getting those whistles. There might not be another situation where it feels like he should be getting a ton of whistles because he's not in those situations. A lot. Thought, you know what I mean there? Yep. I know. And I thought that that was a I thought in the it, it was at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And when they started to come back and make that little run, <clears throat> I thought there was a concerted effort for them to put pressure on the officials because they went to the basket over and over and over and over. They stopped taking jumpers. They went to the basket damn near every time they got the ball as to say you will. And they actually did. I think they got to the line 10 times in the fourth quarter. I mean, they got to the line that, cause that made it look less egregious. Now they only made nine of them, but they had six in three quarters and they had 10 in the last quarter of that game. and But I thought they made a concerted effort. We're just going to keep going to the basket. Do you think it is more likely we see Brooke Lopez 30 minutes or we see Brooke Lopez 10 minutes? I mean, I'll go with 30. 30. 10's too low. Too low? Too low, yeah. Maybe 17. You know what they need? It was only 23 tonight. And it did happen in Atlanta. They need him to do the the Morris thing and catch a heater from three. 
something to pull Aiton away from the basket. Three of five where, tonight, though, Chris. Three of five. I know. I know. And, it, that, and Aiton wasn't always on it, though. Like, sometimes they had Aiton on Giannis. Which is a problem, too. They, it's like it's almost like Phoenix was constantly switching. It felt like Crowder, Aiton, Crowder, Aiton. Like, you didn't know what to expect. That makes it hard to plan for the offense. It really does. Be, and especially when Crowder is so strong, he can hold up. Yeah. You know, you talked about the job he did on Giannis. He can hold up. I mean, this guy, he he's had to wrestle around with LeBron. You know, I mean, he's he's it doesn't matter how big you are. Jay Crowder will try to fight you for it, you know, and they do have it a bit of an issue there because I don't know what they do with that position. I don't know what the best uh, the, the best mode of operation is. This episode is brought to you by Ugg. Y'all know Ugg is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think Ugg season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from Ugg. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at Ugg.com. Is there any chance that the Bucks watch the film of this game and they come away saying, we're going to switch again because they did force a lot of mid-range jumpers. Many of them contested. Maybe it's just a gamble. It's a roll of the dice. You know, you get a super hot Chris Paul night. You don't get a super hot Devin Booker night. But maybe next game, Chris Paul isn't 12 for 19, not four for seven from three. Maybe he's two of seven from three. And maybe he's not hitting all his mid-range jumpers. Because, like, there's no easy answer for what you do against those guys. If you blitz, you do, that's one thing. If you switch, it's one thing. It's drop. Like, like, there's a counter to everything. And the Suns are a team. They're always prepared for whatever it is that you're doing. So, I mean, I just wonder, like, maybe they go back and say, let's, we'll do it again. Try it again for game two and then reevaluate. This is how... You know, how married are you to your process, as they say? You know, it'll be interesting to see what that shot quality um, says, you know, because in terms of because they are the ones that can really it feels like they could screw that up because, yes, you you are forcing them to take a lot of shots, which are typically not of great redeemable value but that's when Chris Paul's not taking it. Like Chris Paul shooting an elbow jumper is different than the league taking an elbow jumper. I feel and like he makes ninety five percent of them. That's the nice thing about that shot quality stat that you're referring yep. to from Second Spectrum is it factors in who's taking you know that shot. You know for what like a defense is deciding to do or forcing or you know vice versa offense or what Chris Paul what works for Chris Paul might not apply to you know somebody else. Yeah, and they're not a big three point shooting team. You know the Suns aren't. And what's weird is the Bucks finally made some damn threes and they got beat by double digits. So maybe that is that would be if you were going to ask me again like is there a real cause for pause? Maybe that. Maybe that. I mean, they, they've shot 30%, man. Yeah, and they've won a lot of games doing that. And they shot 44% tonight from three. <laughs> and still, yeah. I mean, they finally made some friggin' three. They haven't made three since the Miami game, it doesn't feel like. <laughs> it's yeah, it really, it really all does this. feel that long. Right? I mean, t- to your point, though, Chris, I, I think it's that, you know, for the downside. The upside is 
Drew Holiday has to be better than this, you know, oh than God. what we just saw. But he's also had a lot of stinkers like this. It wasn't until the close of the series where he had a big night. So for the Bucks here, you know, Drew Holiday needs to do more offensively. That goes. Well, you know what's saying, scary? Oh, let me just stop you. It, it's it's the, that's when Giannis was out. Yeah, that's what's scary. Yeah. Why I, is I he only awesome yeah. when Giannis isn't there? Yeah. You know, and that's true for the offensive side. On defense, like he just needs to be in within more situations to make a play at the end of the clock. Like it can't be Brooke Lopez on Chris Paul so often. It can't be, you know, Bryn Forbes on Devin Booker. Like there needs to be way more situations in which we see Drew Holiday on the ball at the end of the clock, defending a one on one. Like however you get there, whatever style of defense you're playing, it, it should get to that point where you have Drew Holiday on the ball at the end of the clock. And offense, like, yeah, you're right. It's concerning that it's really been in games when Giannis is out. Or off the floor, the Drew Holiday just starts going off for whatever reason. The two crazy high percentage things. Well, Aiton was was he eight for ten, eight for ten, eight I for think. ten, yeah, and eight it was fin- and it was mostly you know finishes and being around the basket like he is. It, um, he had a couple plays where he you know he had to hit a tough you know floater hook shot. He he had some nice buckets too mixed yeah. in there. Just want to but give him credit there because like that's what Gobert couldn't do. You know, like right. against the Clippers defense, that's what we've seen some players fail to do. Yeah, say it again. I like I like when you I like when you talk about the Gobert thing. That's fun. Mm. You um, like that? You, you you like you like negative Gobert talk, Chris? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Keep on. Let's let's do that for a little bit. Let's, I, I never we'll bring got. Up, I, we'll bring up his. <laughs> all these series move so fast. I never really got to do it. So I, anytime you're you're willing to harken back to that, I I love hearing it. I mean, look, it wasn't a big day. It was like minus thirty five in the second half of a you know game that. They're on their home floor that they needed to win, but I mean that's. Um, <laughs> I'm just not going to respond right now. Greatest defensive we'll, player we'll, of a generation we'll, we'll, is we'll, 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 <laughs> minus 35 in a half. In a we'll, half. In we'll, a we'll, half. A half. He's minus 35 in a half. That is impossible. It's impossible. What did I do? Oh, what did I just do? Oh my God. I'm so sorry, and Jazz now, fans, that you were subject to this right well, now. No, that's this year's <laughs> Bill Russell. Last year's Bill Russell got played off the court tonight. Oh, the last big, year's Bill Russell. The big lug is dead, <laughs> and Bill Russell's still alive. How he's having to watch this after he's been compared to friggin' uh, <laughs> Brooke Lopez and and now Rudy Gobert. He's just, I, I'd rather have Bill Russell out there tonight. Oh, <laughs> now. <laughs> Put Bill out there now. Uh, what, what did I just do? <laughs> you walked into a world of shit. <laughs> well... well. Back to how <laughs> shitty Gobert was, though. I have nothing no, to I, say. I, I, I have no oh, rebuttal. Oh, oh. I have nothing to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so DeAndre Ayton did something that Gobert couldn't do, which is make some shots. Um, yeah. But I will say, insanely high percentage from the free throw line, even if they did get a lot of free throws rightfully, 25 for 26 is amazing. I mean, it's 96% oh, yeah. as a team. And then Paul is like 80% percent from the field that's really the only two things that were absolute killers like i mean i'd i would i i don't know if you take eight for ten out of Aiton, but i mean it's certainly not extreme like okay maybe you should have you'd like to ha- have him have a few more misses but i'd and i'd kind of chalk him up for 
about that. If he makes eight shots, he makes eight shots. There's going to be 90-something possessions probably. Um, but those other things, those are extremes. The free throw number and the Chris Paul number are extremes. And so maybe you could take some solace in that. When we talk about veteran teams and veteran guys usually winning this thing, you know, they show that bench a lot. And, man, that that whole team is locked on to what he's they saying. They rally, yeah. Like they, you see him go over to Aiton, you know, and he's bumping heads with him. And At he's the end of the game, those, they showed yes. that afterwards. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and there, there, ta- there's real love. There's and, love. Yeah, yeah, and he's talking to all these guys all the time. And I think, like we were talking about, not taking the goofy shots because they're going to hear about it. Like that is eventually – and maybe Giannis becomes that guy, maybe he doesn't, but they don't have that guy in Milwaukee. There's not that guy that, right, that, that's going to come to the bench and say, and start barking at everybody and really kind of get everybody in line. And you even saw uh, Malika Andrews ask Monty some question after the game, and he said something like, I just, I just get out of Chris's way. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he, he knows what to do. Like this is his team, man, and and they're gonna go, and and when when he's got something like he's going tonight, then you just you let it be, you know. And there's a brilliance in that as a head coach, and it's just here's a guy that's like it doesn't matter what the game plan was. This is the game plan now. This guy is gonna throw this team on his back, and just like he won Game Six of the West Finals, he's gonna win Game One for the NBA mm-hmm. Finals, and he did it again. Pretty special getting to watch Chris Paul yeah. in an NBA Finals, Chris. Pretty wild. Mm, it's great. I mean, after all these years. Yeah, it's great. After, after all these years to get to see. It is cool stories. There's some good stories mm-hmm. um, in this Finals. And I'm actually – I thought it was entertaining game. I like the matchup, actually. And there's a lot of chess things that can happen, and I, I'm not really sure which way – I'm not really sure which way you go, but inevitably – the Bucks will come at this differently the next game. Probably be more competitive in the next game. And even if they don't steal it, they get to go back to their home arena where hopefully those people will go home and then come back because I wouldn't want them to stand outside for four days. But, my God, I can't believe how many people are outdoors standing. I can't stand for that long. <laughs> I really can't. Can can't you? Do, can't do a concert anymore, Chris? For that long, for of two and a half hours, and probably much longer before that, maybe an yeah, hour, two hours, three no, hours. No, no. Get, I'm, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm past my standing days. Yeah, not, not doing Bonnaroo. Hell how, no. How about, how about Lollapalooza? Like what a v- <laughs> stay in a hotel actually, in Chicago. You know, I'm actually, camp. I'm actually going to be in town when that's going on. Really? Yep. Lollapalooza. We looked at it. Yeah. Oh. I am because I'm going to the National Sports Collectors Convention. It's there. Oh, that's happening at the same time as Lollapalooza. So it July is. 29th to August 1st. Yeah, but it's out way in the burbs. But I yeah, see. There's a bunch it, of like the, the – look, there's a bunch of the younger guys that are on there. I think like uh, Polo G's on there, Jack Harlow. Well, that's what of, I was going to ask, Chris. Of the headliners, the yeah. four number one headliners – Miley Cyrus on Thursday, Tyler, the creator on Friday, Post Malone on Saturday, Foo Fighters on Sunday. You can go to one. Which one are you going to? I've seen Foo Fighters. 
bunch of my buddies went to Post Malone and they said it was awesome. Um, I feel like I'd see, I could see Tyler at a smaller venue. I don't care about seeing Miley Cyrus. So it would be between Post Malone and Foo Fighters. I guess I'd go to Post Malone just because I've seen the Foo Fighters. I love the Foo Fighters, but I guess that would be the one I haven't seen. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I I heard he was really good. For sure. That makes sense. I think similar mindset for me. I've seen Tyler, Tyler creator. Yeah. I feel like I'd go see Foo Fighters at like an arena. I'd want to see them there for some, for whatever reason, then a festival. I'd go see Miley Cyrus, Chris. Of course you would. (laughs) I would go see Miley Cyrus. Of course you would. Because you want to put your hands up. They're playing my song. (laughs) I bet every time you fly out to L.A., you put that on. Hopped on a thing at LAX with my band in my car again. Not true. I play play Going to California by Led Zeppelin. I have have a range of tastes here, Chris. (laughs) You want to go see Miley Cyrus, huh? Yeah, I go see Miley. She puts on rock shows, dude. Oh, is that right? Nowadays, that's what she does nowadays. Rock shows. You don't want to see Party in the USA? She, she plays that. She plays huh? that too. She mixes it up, man. She's she got to play to, that. She, of course she to, does. That's probably the encore. It's a great pop song. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great track, Chris. Have you heard her I, new album? You know how much I pay to watch you sing Party in the USA? <laughs> <laughs> you don't You don't want to hear me sing anything. I want to see you at a concert. <laughs> Bob it along. Yeah. I put my hand. Up to play my song. <laughs> uh, I can see that happening. Uh, <laughs> no, I haven't listened to her last album. No, it's got some good songs on there. Plastic Hearts. Yeah, it does. It's I don't like her voice very much. Really? Yeah. I feel like you would like it. Nah, I don't like her voice that much. Huh. Uh, I typically like good singers. Um. Oh, she's come on. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of, I don't know, kind of a weird voice to me. It know. is a different voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Understand, like, it, it, it's a type of voice like, you know, either you grow used to it. It's like Neil Young. Some people hate Neil Young's voice. Some people love Neil Young. It's just oh. like a love him or hate him voice. I get it. I understand what you're saying. I love I, 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 Neil Young is uh, objectively uh, not a yeah. great voice. Sure. You may like his lyrics. You may like his, you know, singing, uh, you know. Uh, and and like that it's different that it's distinct but it is objectively not good yeah not it's not <laughs> it's like not, <laughs> i mean come on yeah. it's, not, it, it's not like if, if neil young was just not famous and he got up in your church and sang you'd be like why is this guy the song leader <laughs> like surely so, okay. there's somebody in here that could sing better than this guy. I, I mean neil young's real true talent was his writing yeah, the songwriting, oh, I'm lyrics, aware. like all of that. I mean, like that's that's that was the skill that got him. That's right. to where he did. You know, not no, it singing, reminds me of not, I saw not, the- <laughs> not even the guitar soloing. He's not a great guitar soloist either, for that matter. Yeah, like, I love his style. He figured out who he was as a player. He's like, I'm not Jimi Hendrix. There you go. But he does his thing. He makes sound that makes you feel something. No, it's not always it's a, about skill. No. It, it, yeah. Maybe you should have just given those songs to good singers. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> because <laughs> I, years ago, I went and saw the Rolling Stones. There's like 40 minutes where Mick Jagger just like leaves. He just like leaves the stage. And I guess he just goes and like changes clothes, probably takes a shower, whatever he does. But like, it's like, it, it was way too long. And he just like let Keith Richards play songs. And so Keith Richards <laughs> played his songs. And I was yeah. like, oh my God. Oh my God. You've got me thinking, Chris. La- last is- thing about Neil Young. I'm sorry for yes. everybody who doesn't care about Neil Young. But 
Oh, the, I'll get like, all the. Like, like, there's gonna be a lot of hipsters but, hitting me but, up for sure. But I can't. Like you mentioned, like give like you sarcastically said, give him a great the songs to a great singer. Yeah, I can't imagine like him like Harvest Moon without Neil Young's voice though. I can't imagine like rocking in the free world. Like just imagine great it. songs. I can't imagine it with like a great vocalist singing that. Really? No, I just can't. But just imagine it, but better. <laughs> I don't know. Right, like, no, put, I understand like, how what Paul you're saying. Rogers, Paul Rogers I, singing I, Neil Young? No, I don't, I, I don't know. No. <laughs> I don't know. I understand, but it is distinct. Yeah. Well, like, you For saw, sure, it's distinct. You, know, you saw Pearl Jam play Rockin' in the Free World. Oh, You've yeah. You've seen that before, right? For sure. So that's what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Somebody else plays it. And then they'll, like, bring in Neil Young, and, like, all of a sudden, like, <laughs> and it's like, bro, why? It's like, yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, we like that, huh? Um, last thing before we get out of here. Maybe Neil Young was a big fan of uh, Fisherman's Friend. There has never been. been a non-sports conversation that I think we've gotten more feedback about than damn Fisherman's oh, Friend yeah. and it's obviously not America, but every other country, people were like, oh, yeah, it's big here in Germany. Obviously, it's huge in Canada. Oh, yeah. It's like. Just like Neil like, Young. Just, yeah, just like <laughs> Neil Young. It's exactly like Neil Young. So it's Fisherman's Friend and and, and Neil Young. No, yeah. but they have uh, uh, evidently, just to follow up on our last podcast, Nick Nurse, who just got ousted as the coach of Canada. He didn't get ousted, but the team did, Um, which is rather disgraceful, to be honest, when the other team had Thomas Sadoransky and no one you've heard of, and Canada had like eight NBA players. That was pretty terrible. Um, Your boy, Andrew Wiggins, too. Um, But anyways. Hey, thanks uh, for those 100 bucks, Chris. Nick Nurse (laughs) is a... A spokesperson, like legitimately a spokesperson for Fisherman's Friend. And Matt Devlin, uh, an old friend of mine who is the voice of the Raptors. Um, Matt Devlin is one of the first people I ever met in broadcasting. So when I had a lot of Raptors fans saying, Matt Devlin is always repping Fisherman's Friend, I was like, no way. Because I met Matt Devlin probably 20-something years ago. but evidently he hawks them a lot. Uh, and Nick Nurse is like in commercials <laughs> for Fisherman's Friend. I texted you over the weekend. I'm like, this is the funniest crap ever. Like, I just thought it was this random, odd product that a broadcaster had mentioned to me. But there are places in our world, and I'm proud to say that our podcast reaches to that Fisherman's Friend is a much bigger deal than I gave it credit for. I did not expect this, Chris, any yeah. of it. The Nick nurse part. What? Unbelievable. <laughs> Nick nurse. Sponsor he is a spokesperson <laughs> for Fisherman's <laughs> friend. What an that, amazing that, thing. You, you texted me about that. That tweet we got about it. The first one, we got many of them, many, yeah. many tweets about it. And I was like, what? what's he talking about? I go to Twitter and my mentions. I'm like, what did you go buy them? Oh, no, I got to do it for Thursday. I did it. It was a busy weekend. I'm catching. I'm doing some draft guide profiles. We get a big update next week. There is nothing Fourth more of important July than stuff, Fisherman's you know. friend. 
I promise for Thursday, right, Thursday. I'm going to buy them tomorrow or today, whenever you're listening on Wednesday, I'm going to purchase them and be ready to report back Thursday night after game two, Chris. I promise everybody you, listening. Your throat's going to feel amazing. Okay. I'm sure. Uh, all right. Suns go up 1-0, and we're going to get to do a podcast right after game two. So it's I'm perfect. I'm looking forward to it, man. Right? So there will be uh, nothing in between. And obviously, in these next couple of weeks, we'll get more into the draft. And I know you're going to be doing updates on a lot of your draft stuff on the ringer. So pay attention to that, everybody. Because um, we're now getting stretch run stuff, right? We got, what, about three weeks until the draft. And so there'll be a lot of updates, I'm sure, uh, as the weeks go on. Uh, Thank you to Carlos for filling in as our producer again. And uh, Kevin, I'll talk to you on Friday. I'm looking forward to it, Chris. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.